sound people, I'll go ahead and use the, uh, the um, remote mic rather than the, than the uh, pulpit mic, just so you know. Apologies for that. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. You, you may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's reading, one verse stands out for me and it will be the, the focus of my meditation with you this morning and that's verse 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, not, it's a well-known verse. And it's, it's good to be able to reflect on this particular verse. The verse also happens to turn up in Matthew's gospel, uh, but in, in chapter 6. And it's always one of those readings for Ash Wednesday which means that most of the time we don't spend a lot of time on that specific verse because on Ash Wednesday our focus is on preparing for the Lenten observance, repentance, and the, 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 the solemn themes of Lent. So we don't get much into the, what I'm going to call the stewardship dimension of this, pass, of this verse. And that's what I want to lift up for you today. Now when we think of this verse, and here at, which is very well known, many times what we hear in our head Sounds a little more like, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will end up. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will end up. In other words, if you want to know what someone cares about, where their heart is, that is, all you have to do is look at how they spend their money. It's an easy thing to sort out. Look at your bank statement. Look at your check register, if you still keep one, or the electronic one. QuickBooks or, what, or Quicken or whatever you might use. Um, all you, and, and you can even, you know, now electronically, you can really sort that out in, in minute detail if you're sophisticated enough to do that. And how we spend, but how we spend our money is a part of our spiritual life. It's a part of our spiritual discipline. And so it's an important thing to think about. Last week, Pastor Wesley, as he was reflecting on the gospel lesson spoke about um, the importance of tithing. And that's one way of thinking about how we spend our money, particularly in the life of the church, for the work of the church. 
So if you look at your, at your spending and you see that you're spending more um, on, say, for example, your entertainment, your personal entertainment, than you are giving to church, that says maybe your heart's leaning a little more there. Your heart's more interested in the things that give entertainment value, sporting events, concerts, whatever it might be, than the, the kinds of things that, that might be related to where your money would go if you gave it at the church. The importance of all this is that how, what, how we give our money and what we do with it affects us spiritually. It's, a, it's pretty much, it's very true that, that uh, money and spirituality are deeply connected. And it's not about how much you have. It's about what, what you do with that money. Now, that's how we normally think about it, right? For the most part, I think I, hopefully that makes some sense. But now, stay with me here. The problem is that's not what Jesus said. He did not say... Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will end up. Even though you, you can make, you can, uh, that, ha- that is, there's some truth to that in some ways. He said, in this text today, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. No, that's, is that, I'm sorry. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very important. Your heart will follow your treasure. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a moment. I want to digress for just a quick second here. To uh, um, this, this I think is is very good news, and I want to explore it with you. But first of all, a, a disclosure, which is important. This, what I'm sharing with you today about this verse, is something I learned a long time ago, and has been become a part of my own spiritual journey. I learned it from Dr. Mark Powell. He's uh, retired now as a professor emeritus, I think, from Trinity Lutheran Seminary in, in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, one of, our, one of our seminaries. And Dr. Powell uh, re- uh, has uh, written a great deal about this, most recently in a book that he published called Giving to God. There's a whole chapter on this subject in there, and much of what I want to share with you is, is uh, what I learned from Dr. Powell about this passage and why, and why it, it's important for my own spirituality and so I hope it may be something that will um, you will find also for your own spiritual journey anyway back to the back to the where we're going one of the interesting things to think about in the New Testament Jesus gives what is called the great commandment you all know it right you could recite it easily You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment derived from Old Testament, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. Jesus mushes them or mashes them up together and creates what we call the great commandment out of that. Now, think about that with me for a moment. You shall love the Lord your God and your neighbor. Can we be commanded to love? Love's one of those things that kind of happens or it doesn't, right? Think about your romantic partners, your spouses, your boyfriends, girlfriends, or even loving your family members, your children. 
Sometimes we love by default, but love is a hard thing to command someone to do. I command you, you should love me. You might say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't know you. Why would I love you? You can't, it's a hard thing to command someone to do. You can command someone not to steal. You can command someone not to uh, take the Lord's name in vain. You can command someone not to kill. But can you command someone to love? An interesting thing to ponder on. Can we be commanded to love? Keep that in the back of your mind as we move forward here. Dr. Powell, in his work as a seminary professor, also had a little sideline that he liked, to, to, uh, that he enjoyed very much, and that was, as a New Testament professor, uh, he also was very interested in popular and in popular music, as well as uh, both uh, on the popular music charts, country music charts, whatever, and he had a little radio podcast, or it wasn't wasn't podcast back in that day, but a little radio program where he'd talk about the theology of popular songs. And it was, apparently it was quite popular. And so he had a real large repertoire of songs in his head. And as he's thinking about this, this verse, he, he uh, offers this, uh, int- this point to kind of introduce it. Uh, anybody here familiar with Bonnie Raitt? Yeah. Okay, so we have some fans in here. Bonnie Raitt, sometimes some people see her as a mostly country music person, but she also lops over into the popular, pop, popular music category. Fantastic guitarist, fantastic artist, um, one of the finest around. Anyway, Bonnie Raitt's most popular song, who's the, who's the, who's the best Bonnie Raitt fan in the, audience, in the congregation today? Anybody really big on Bonnie Raitt? What's her most popular song ever? You know it? I'm going to... I can't make you love me. If you've ever heard that song, I can't make you love me, that's her most well-known and popular song that, uh, um, ever. Written back in 1991. It's been out for a while. Anyhow, one, one, uh, one, one person in talking about it said it's one of the most devastating ballads in popular music. It's painful to listen to. Deeply emotional. She's talking about a relationship problem that she has. She, her, the verse I'm going to refer to is this, I can't make you love me if you don't. Referring to the other person. And that's very true. You can't change anybody. You can only change yourself. You can't change other people. I can't make you love me if you don't. And then about that person it says, You can't make your heart feel something it won't. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. Now, I have to say this song resonates a great deal with me as a person who is divorced and, and, and uh, very happily remarried. Um, I've lived the painful reality of those words in the past, and I understand it very clearly. I've lived it out. But the question is about those words, is it absolutely true? Is it always the case? Is it possible that you can control your heart and make it do something it won't or hasn't yet?
Someone might come to me in a pastoral need and say, Pastor, I'm struggling. How can I love God more? Have you ever asked that question? How can I love God more? Is love not an absolute? Can you love God more? Is it be quantifiable? It's an interesting question to think about. You can't just wish it so, right? If you could just say, I'm going to love God more today. It doesn't always happen that way, does it? Some days maybe, but most days probably not. It's not something you can just magic that you can make happen. But you can, Jesus says, do something. And this is the good news today that Pastor or that Professor Powell in his, in his teaching on this text lifts up, and I want to share it with you. Jesus' words today are hopeful words if we've ever wondered about that. Can we change? Yes. We can. We can change our hearts. It is possible. It is possible. Think about it for a minute. If we couldn't change, the whole message of the gospel is wasted on us, right? If we could never change, become more spiritually mature, love more deeply, care more compassionately, pursue the things of God with more vigor, if we could never change from where we are and move in a, new, and move in a, in a direction closer and toward, more, toward God, then that's depressing. But change is possible. Now, if we think about where we spend our money, that tells us what our true values are. That is, that is certainly true. You can, all, you can make that calculation. But Jesus says, where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will end up. Think about that. Where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will end up. Your heart will follow in due course. It isn't how, it isn't how you spend your money or devote your time or use the gifts God has given you that reveals what sort of people you, we are only, but it is how we spend our money, how we make use of our time, how we use our gifts and talents that God has given us, etc., that determines what sort of people we can become for God. What we do is, is, can make a difference. One of my teachers over the years, his deceased now, his name was Harry Went, a wonderful Bible scholar, and I learned a lot uh, from him over the years, both in person and from his resources, and taught his Bible studies. And he had a mantra, a little mantra that, that, that wove through all of his Bible studies, and that mantra was anchored in baptism. Become every day more and more the person God has already made you to be. Become more and more every day the person has all, God has already made you to be by virtue of your baptism into Christ. In Christ, we are made children of God. We are undeserving, yet we are claimed and made full-blown children of God, heirs, to Christ's, heirs with Christ to His kingdom, joined to Him, forgiven, promised eternal life. All of that in those holy waters sets the bar for who God sees us to be. That's who we are. That's our identity, our baptismal identity given in God. And that's the identity we're called every single day to grow into. 
We don't automatically start there, but that's the identity that we're invited to grow into in our life in faith as we grow up, as we grow older, as we live with other believers. We see that, we see that happening. And so we're becoming every day, the challenge is to become every day. That, that could be your prayer every morning. Lord, help me today to become more the person you have already have made me to be in baptism. Make the sign of the cross, remember your baptism, and go out into the day and see if you can make it happen. Because you've anchored yourself in the possibility that God will help you do it. It's a deeply spiritual place, spiritual uh, exercise. Now, coming back to the word treasure, treasure is what we value, isn't it? We talked with the children about that. It could be money, it could be our possessions, our time, certainly. Traditionally, we talk about time, talents, and treasure in the life of the church. But it could also be our families, our bodies. We treasure it all. What we do with those treasures affects our hearts, our capacity of love. And it determines who we are and who we are we become, particularly as Christians for God. Who we become for God is what we're talking about. And Jesus' word said, we can, with apologies to Bonnie Raitt, we can make our hearts feel what they don't. We can direct our hearts in ways that we want them to go. And we do that by deciding what sort of people we want to be? What do we want to be as a, as, a belie- as a believing person? What do we want our Christian faith to look like? What do we want to be? We look at how we are. What do we still want to be? And then giving our treasure, that be our time, our talent, to those things that we want to care about. Being... So it's not just give from the heart. It's give where you want your heart to be. And then let your heart catch up. Jesus promises, and this is the good news, it will. Keep directing your treasures toward where you want your heart to be. Where do you, and and uh, Jesus says your heart will follow. Don't just give to things you care about now, but give to things you want to care about. You want to care about because they're important to God. And because they're important to God, they're important to you. And how much should you give? Well, that depends on how much you want to care. So ask yourself now, with all that in mind, If I were the person I would really like to be as a believing person, then what would I do? How would I spend my money? How would I use my time? What of my gifts and talent, God-given gifts and talents that I have, which would I focus on the most? And then do what you would do if you were that sort of person. Think about that person you want to be and then take action. There's a truism out there, that, uh, there's, something out, there's a statement out there that I think is quite true. It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than it is to think your way into a new way of acting. Take action. Act 
take action for your, and direct your treasures accordingly to where you want them to go, where you believe you want to be and be, what you want to become. Jesus talks about it today in this lesson a little bit, and it starts with renunciation, sacrifice. He says, sell your possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. That's why I think Jesus probably didn't carry around a lot of money, because he was always giving it away, most likely. But it starts with renunciation. And, and, and Dr. Powell gives a good example of someone who did that. He says there were a couple, a young couple, who had saved up some money, a lot of money, I think, probably for a very special vacation trip. What they did is they learned in their church, the church was trying to buy a van so that the church, so that people in the church could go out and do mission work across the border. They needed a van to carry supplies and take them where they needed to go. What that couple did is they made a deliberate choice motivated by a sincere commitment to care more deeply about what God's work in that, from, that they knew about from their congregation. And they redirected that vacation money and gave it to purchase, help purchase that van. When asked, why they, asked what the result of that decision was, because pretty big decision, it was a significant amount of money, they said... It helped us become the persons we want to be, the persons we think God wants us to be. They got the message on it that Jesus gave today. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follow as you direct your treasure to where you think it should be. Those who give generously and freely of their earthly treasures will, Jesus, I think, would say here, or I promise to experience the spiritual re reward of hearts increasingly drawn ever deeper to the wondrous love of God. As I hope that maybe you'll think, through, think, with, think about this a little bit and possibly start to imagine what this might look like in your own spiritual journey. I know I have, and it's made a difference for me I pray it might as for you as well. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen.